Hello and welcome to the Scottish Clans Podcast. This is Clint Edwards coming to you from beautiful Monterey, California. I'm here with my trusty companion Sky, my Belgian Malinois, or Maligator, as we sometimes like to call her. And I'm I'm not the first one to use that as a nickname for a Belgian Malinois. She's not vicious, like you would think of as an alligator or as a dog that some people are convinced have velociraptors in their pedigree. She's not. She's actually very well-behaved, and she is just a champ. And that's good because she is my only family that I have here in Monterey. Yep, that's right. My wife flew out here with me and stayed for a few days. We had a wonderful time together. And now she's back in northern Utah with the kids, who we decided not to uproot again to move down here, only for nine months, then to go off to somebody, someplace else and settle in. So, it's just me and Skye, and I've made some, few, some friends down here, so I don't want to... Uh, you know, in case they listen to this, I don't want them to feel cut out. I really do appreciate I've had some people really be kind and extend hospitality to me. And I just really appreciate some of the people that I've met down here. I have found Californians overall to be courteous, nice people. They're not bad drivers. And what else good could I say about this? I don't know. With all that said, though, it's not home, and I'm going to do the very best I can these next several months while I'm learning Spanish for the Army, and then I look forward to rejoining my family and going back to environments that I'm more familiar with and that I that fit my, my lifestyle a little bit better. You know, I've just, just little things like if I want to go shoot my rifle, I just go shoot my rifle kind of wherever I can find a spot where there's not a lot of people. Um, Taking my dog out, not on a leash, just letting her go. And and I go. We get some backcountry and we just go. I miss that. Here you got to drive, and I actually tried it out. I drove up Carmel Valley, and I drove for a while before I found some place I could just get out and start hiking. So... Some of those things that I miss, but in the meantime, this is not a bad place. So for all of you people who may be um, either from Monterey or Western California, you know, along the coast or California in general, great state, wonderful state, glad, glad you like it. And I'm going to, there's things I like about it and I kind of, kind of fancy myself a Rocky Mountain kind of guy. Anyway, so... There's a, there's a balance to it, but I'm grateful for the things that are good about it, and I choose to have a good time while I'm here. I've started classes, and I think I have a good class, a good group of people to go through this with, and and yeah, so I'm just glad that it started, and we're, we're getting, on, getting on with it. All right, so today... We're going to pick up the second part in this three-part series. And I don't know, there, there might be more parts in the future. We'll see. But as we, if you listen to the last episode, you know that I talked about the connection between the 
Earls of Ross and the Clan Ross, and the distinction between those two groups of people and how they connect and where they diverge. And so that we're going to handle the same type of topic today with the Crawfords, the, the, the Crawford kindred versus the Earls of Crawford. All right, so now we're going to go down to the lowlands. We're going to go to a spot that, yeah, we've, we've handled, we, uh, we've, I, we discussed the feud between the Cunninghams and Montgomery's. So we've been in this neighborhood before. There's actually a place, a specific place called Crawford in Lanarkshire. And that is kind of the origin setting for everything that we're going to talk about today. So, what is the relationship between the Crawford kindred and the Earls of Crawford? Well, let me share with you what I've learned on this. The Earldom of Crawford was created for David, David Lindsay in 1398. Before this, it was the Barony of Crawford, which was centered on the village of Crawford, and Crawford Castle was the administrative center. Okay, all in this place in the lowlands called Crawford. All right, now the barony of Crawford did not transform into the earldom of Crawford. It seemed to have been, from what I can tell, and, and I'll, I'll get to sources here in a little bit, from what I can tell, it looks like these are two completely different things. Though the barons of Crawford did not become the earls of Crawford. Now, the barons of Crawford start with a man named Thorlongus, who was styled, quote, overlord of Crawford, unquote. His descendants became the barons of Crawford and developed this name as their surname. Okay, and that's taken from Clan Crawford Association. And the, the, the Clan Crawford Association, the actual website is Clan Crawford ASSOC. Dot org. So that ASSOC as an abbreviation for association. So Clan Crawford, ASSOC.org. Right, so that's where I, I'm taking some of this information on the Crawfords. So you start have you have the Thorlongus becomes overlord of Crawford, his descendants become the barons of Crawford, and this is who you have the Crawfords descend from. Now, who this Thorlongus was. That's a, that's a matter of, um, I don't know if it's, a, if it's a hot topic of debate, debate but there's, there's diverging theories on who he was and what his background was. Was he a Norman? Was he an Anglo-Dane? Not sure about it. He has the name Thor in his name, Thor Longa. So it kind of would lean us a little bit toward, like, why, what other group of people names their kids Thor? Maybe, maybe Anglo-Saxons who come from the area that had previously been known as the Dane Law. So, I, I don't know. And, and I, some of these questions that I think of last second, I can, I can usually look them up. I am actually in a situation right now where it'll, it'll be a day or so before I get the internet. So... Was Thorlongus, Thorlongus, was he an 
a Dane, an Anglo-Dane, an Anglo-Saxon from the Dane law, or was he just throwing everybody a curveball with these names and he's actually a Norman? I don't know. But anyway, the Crawfords claim descent from him, and that's as per their their website that I checked. All right. Sometimes it's sometimes it's nice to know what people think about themselves and the story they're sticking to. And in lieu of incontrovertible evidence, otherwise, maybe maybe for the time being, I'll just go with it. Thor Longus is the ancestor of the Crawfords. All right. Now, what about the Lindsays? The Lindsays come from, the, the name Lindsay comes from the Old English for Island of Lincoln. Now, we have a little mixing going on here with lingu- linguistically, I'm speaking. So, Lind, Lindsay, the, the C on the end of this, the S-Y or the S-A-Y, that C sound, that is an actually a Scandinavian element of the name. So that sound expressed in either S-Y, S-A-Y, or S-E-A in some cases, or S-E-Y, but it makes the C sound. This, this is an Old Norse element that signifies an island. So some examples of this would be Rossi and Collinsey off the west coast of Scotland, Anglesey, off the north coast of Wales, and Swansea, which is where Catherine Zeta-Jones is from, if I understand correctly. So according to the, Scot- the Collins Scottish Clan and Family Encyclopedia, the Lindsay ancestor Walter de Lindesey came to Scotland with, J- with David I. And you've heard me talk about him before, just really quick in case this is your first time chiming into this podcast. David I was an a Scottish heir who was, who had to, there's some conflict with other people claiming the throne. He went into exile into England. Now, at this time period, this would have been the 1100s, and this is Norman England. Well, he was, he was treated really well, actually, by these Normans, made some friends. And then when he decided the time was right to go back and make a, make a, take another shot at the title, get his, get his, uh, his kingdom back, he reached out to all of his Norman connections and said, hey, there might be something in, for, in it for you if we win. Come and help me get my throne back. Well, he won, and some of these Norman English folks came out smelling like a rose on this. They, they, did, they did really well. David I, was he did not forget his promises, and many of these Normans were rewarded with lands and titles. And eventually they end up marrying into the local families who hold power here and and thus further legitimizing their positions. Okay, so although they take their name from the Anglo-Sax from an Anglo-Saxon Anglo-Saxon place name, they are supposedly of Norman origin, according to clanlindsay.org. Okay, so I went to the, the Clan Lindsay's website. Now, going to these different clan websites, that's one approach I take, especially if I don't have somebody like Martin McGregor, a scholar who has researched a specific clan and is providing some pretty high-end scholarship on the issue. 
I'll go to the, the see what the I'll go to the Wikipedia article. I'll go to the Collins Scottish Clan and Family Encyclopedia. I'll go to the Clan Association websites and and I'll try to reach all over the place and see what I can drum up. Also, I've mentioned before Academia.edu. I found some quality stuff on there before, but that little piece of information, the espousing the Norman origin, that comes from ClanLindsay.org. Now, the Lindsays had territory somewhere in the vicinity of Crawford before David Lindsay became the Earl. Because some of his ancestors were recorded as, quote-unquote, of Crawford. So before David Lindsay is, is given the, give, the earldom is created for him, he has people in his, his, some of his predecessors were known as of Crawford. So it's hard to discern when exactly they gained this territory. The senior representative of this kindred is the Earl of Crawford to this day. The center of gravity for this kindred seems to have remained in Angus with Edsel Castle being the chief stronghold. Now, I don't know if I pronounced Edsel right. Some, I've learned that when I see, see the Z in Scottish words, especially proper nouns, that we don't, that it was usually a mistake. And even if it's come to be widely adopted, it arises from a mistake. Now, let me give you an example. Mackenzie. There's a, there's a letter. If you know anything about the history of spelling the English language, there was a, a letter that looks like a Z, but it actually had a Y sound, like a Y. So what they're really trying to recreate is the Gallic mechanic or mechanic, something like that. And they use this funky little letter that we don't use anymore in there. And years down the road, it looks, it looks like a Z. And so people are now, instead of saying mechanic or mckinney, which is closer to the Gallic sound of the word, they're looking at it, reading it, and saying Mackenzie. And they're in, inserting that Z sound in there. So Edsel Castle, I don't know. I probably should have looked it up on YouTube and seen if I could hear somebody say the word. That's how I found out that the Campbells of Loudon, that it's Loudon, not Loudon, as it's pronounced in Virginia. All right. So, the Edsel Castle is in Angus. This is the center of gravity, the chief stronghold for the Lindsays. Angus, for those of my American listeners or anybody that's not Scottish and a little bit less familiar with Scottish geography. So, if you have the there's a, I don't know, I, I probably should just say it's eastern Scotland, south, farther south along the east coast, farther south than, um, south of Aberdeen. So that's where they're really from. Edsel Castle is right, and I looked this up on Google Earth, it's right when you're going up into the, the highlands. It's not in the highlands, but it's headed that direction if you're following the river nearby. I can't remember what river it was. So... Anyway, the, so they're not the power, the center of gravity for the Lindsays is not anywhere near Crawford, but they did have lands there. They were at one point styled of Crawford, which can, can in some cases just be a way of saying, "Hey, this guy is from this area." Not that he was the Baron or any top dog there, but eventually they become the Earls of Crawford, thirteen ninety eight, and there you have it. There seems to be little connection between the Crawford and Lindsay clans. 
In all my reading, I couldn't see them having much to do with each other. In fact, neither clan seems to have been centered at the place on the map labeled Crawford. The center of gravity for the Crawfords seems to have been at Achenames, west of Glasgow. So, isn't that interesting? So, uh, so this is where I want to maybe get to a little compare and contrast the the story of the Rosses versus the Earls of Ross that we worked on last episode. The the so unlike the Clan Ross slash Earl of Ross situation, the Crawfords never held the earldom. All right, the Lindsays obtained their earldom by grant from Robert II, not through intermarriage with the Crawfords or from the Crawford male line failing like the Rosses had. Now, I went back, and I just want to make a little comment going back on that previous episode. I found out that the, and, and I think we get this from the genealogical history of the Earldom of Sutherland, which is a very frequently used source when we're talking about the clans, especially up in the vicinity of Inverness and farther north even, that... Remember, if you recall, that going back to that last episode, the Ross kindred who drew their name from the earldom of Ross and the territory of Ross, their surname was originally Obiolan. So this is a fascinating case of one of the few instances where a major Scottish kindred used the O prefix instead of the Mac prefix because I don't know if you've noticed this yet, and I did a whole episode on this so while back it's called Mac versus O that the O prefix is much more common in Ireland than it is in Scotland. But this is one case where a major Scottish kindred did use the O prefix. So the Obiolans, the Earls of Ross, descended from Fercher MacIntaggart, they, so this is what I found out from the genealogical history of Earldom of Sutherland, they used that Obiolan surname right up until they lost the earldom. And I don't know if people are starting to adopt, people of this kindred are starting to adopt Ross concurrently with some people still using the Obiolan surname, but the 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 source, the genealogical history of Earldom of Sutherland, which is written by a Gordon, it, it mentions, it, it doesn't use the word Obiolan, it uses the term Boulton. Or Builton is B U I L T O N, but that's but we understand that that signifies Obiolan, and so it and he they he uses that in describing these people as a surname up until they lose the earldom to the Leslies, not to be confused with the Lindsays. Okay, so um, and because I I mentioned because in the last episode I presented as somewhere between them becoming Earls of Ross and losing the earldom. They start adopting the Ross surname, which is still true, but it looks like later rather than earlier. That becomes the the kindred surname, the label for that group. So, anyway, there you have it. Something I wanted to to bring back in. I was like, oh, I, I didn't see that. I just saw it after the after I recorded and published the podcast. So I just want to go back on that. But anyway, you see that very close connection. The Leslies got the earldom of Ross because they had married in with. The Rosses, the Ross male line fails. The Earls of Ross, and this Obiolan line, and the heiress who's married a Leslie, so the Leslie gains the earldom. Now, 
we could go into that a little bit deeper about possibly other male eligibles for the earldom within the Obiolan or Ross kindred. But um, and we might get that a little bit more next episode when we talk about the the earldom of Sutherland and the Gordons and their relationship there. But suffice it to say for now that there you see that close connection though. There's there's in some intermarriage and there's there's the Le- Leslie the new Leslie Earls of Crawford have interaction and connections with the Rosses. It does not look like that is the case with the Crawfords and the Lindsays. So that's something di- that's different. Now, in similarity, neither the Clan Ross nor the Crawfords contested the earldom nor felt any need to follow the new holders of the earldom. Okay, so there is, there's, it's not contested. It's not, hey, that should have been ours. Um, anyway, that's, that's something I noticed that was, that was similar in these two cases. Now, before I wrap this up, I just want to make sure, uh, I, this, is, this episode is not meant to be a history of either the Crawfords or the Lindsays. It's just meant to cover the specific topic topic of the kindreds versus the earldom, which has the same name, and what is the connection or not connection between the two. If you want to read further on that, then you can. I've given you a few sources already that you can look into, so so you can explore that a little bit on your own. But maybe since I'm on the topic, let me just mention a couple of points of interest about each clan, the Crawfords and the Lindsays. William Wallace married the sister of Reginald Crawford, who was the sheriff of Ayr at the time. The Crawfords, then, were loyal supporters of William Wallace, even though Mel Gibson chose not to depict that in his movie Braveheart. Now, he has mentioned that he was drawing most of his history from Blind Harry's account of these events, and and I don't, I haven't, uh, I've, I've got into that book a long, long, long time ago. And I can't remember if Blind Harry mentioned anything about the Crawfords. So if it wasn't in the source that Mel Gibson was drawing a lot from, then maybe we see why. But anyway, the fact is that the Crawfords and the Wallaces had intermarried with each other and were related to each other. And anyway, so you had that connection with William Wallace. The Lindsays have married into royalty twice. The second time it was James Lindsay who married Egidia, the daughter of Walter Stewart, the sixth high steward of Scotland, and his wife, Marjorie Bruce, who was a daughter of Robert the Bruce. So that's kind of interesting. Also, James Lindsay's this this James Lindsay who married into the 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 Walter the Stuart Bruce families his father David Lindsay the grandson of the one who was first awarded the earldom this second David Lindsay he his name is connected with he's one of the signers of the declaration of Arbroath which is sent to the pope asking appealing to him to recognize Scotland's independent as a nation and some say the declaration of Arbroath was influential on the declaration of independence 
for the United States. So there's some little, a couple points of interest about both clans. I hope this has helped you clear this up because, to be honest with you, up until I decided to just dig into this and make an episode out of it, I was a little bit unclear about the relationship between the Crawfords and the Lindsays. It seems like there wasn't much, aside from the two kindreds both have a connection somehow back to that geographical place, even though it doesn't seem that either clan was really centered there when things got up and rolling as a, as a clan. So I hope you've enjoyed this. If you have any questions or additional insights that you'd like to share with me, please reach out either one of three, thor- three sources to Scottish Clans on the Facebook, to Podbean, the app, or on online with podbean.com, or through Apple Podcasts. I didn't do any listener feedback today because right now I'm recording this in my apartment without any internet. Like I mentioned earlier, it'll be a, a day or two. I've got, it, I've got it coming, the equipment, and the modem, the router, the service, all that stuff. It's on its way, but um, I can't, I'm not in a position where I can just uh, look up, and I didn't have that ready. Just, just fa- finally found myself with. It's been absolutely madness the last couple weeks. I have been just running as hard as I can. I still feel like I'm constantly one step behind. And anyway, so I just decided, you know what? We're going to sit down and we're going to knock this out. So if there's something I missed, really important information that needs to be added to this, please reach out to Facebook, Podbean, or Apple Podcasts reviews. Also, one more little favor I'd like to ask of you. If you can think of somebody that's not listening to this podcast, not aware of it, will you share it with them? Either by word of mouth saying, hey, um, I know that you've got some connections here. Maybe we've even talked about it before. Why don't you check this podcast out? Or most of these platforms have a little share icon that you can click and send it to somebody through a text or or other means. So I invite you to do that. I actually was getting to know my landlord, who is a Gordon. I think I mentioned that earlier. Maybe not. Anyway, seems like a, a, an enjoyable person to, to visit with. We had, we had a good visit. And his last name is Gordon. And so I said, hey, what do you know about your Gordon ancestors? And he had actually, was he was aware of the Scottish ancestry. In fact, it's not that many generations back. And so he said, hey, I, well, I reached out to him, and I did the same thing I'm inviting you to do, and said, hey, why don't you check out the podcast? Anyway, it's pretty easy. He was pretty cool. And, uh, hey, if you ever listen to this, appreciate it. Anyway, he's he's been very good to work with me since I've been since I've moved in here. So I'd invite you guys to do the same thing. Just reach out to somebody and say, hey, this podcast might have some stuff you might be interested in it. Thanks for joining me. I appreciate it. Join me next time as we get to part three of this with the Sutherlands, uh, Kindred, and the Earls of Sutherland, who were not always Sutherlands. So thanks. Thanks for joining me, and we'll have you with me next time, hopefully. Bye.